0: Canada's Indian Act is once again at the heart of news and controversy in Canada, but today in a way that few people appreciate. Listen to this episode of Before, Behind, and Between to get a more fulsome picture. Starts now. More than 30 years ago, I embarked on an academic journey that represented a path markedly different from my peers. I was studying political science, specifically public policy, political economy, and governance administration. Near the final year of that undergraduate program, I was faced with choosing an area of specialty, the focus of which would become the final graduating requirement a major research paper. Most peers focused on Canadian federal, provincial, or municipal politics and administration. Others were enamored by Canada-US relations, as the Free Trade Agreement was center stage at the time. And still others focused on more exotic topics and locales, such as Caribbean and Latin American issues, African political systems, and one or two embraced issues that found home in Europe. I wondered why there hadn't been much work done on First Nations governments in Canada. After all, it was the Iroquois Confederacy, we were taught as children, that served as a model, at least in part, for the federalism that the US and Canada would later adopt. I was curious about these systems of governance, as well as how they interacted, either positively or negatively, with other systems found among the Blackfoot Cree, where the tribal systems say, much further south, such as the Navajo or the Apache. I was assigned two members for the paper. Both were highly encouraging. Although openly scratching their heads on developing a research agenda, you see, there simply wasn't a lot of published material at that time. What was there was excellent, but much of it focused on sociology or cultural anthropology. Very little of it focused on political science or public administration. So the major research paper ended up becoming a sort of literature review. That focus continued into graduate studies and became more of a focus on public policy analysis. Still, the data and existing body of literature was comparatively small in size and scope. But the issues themselves, making headlines because of Oka, Quebec, and through the tribulations of the Meech lake Accord, found a focal point in the creation of a royal commission to study all aspects of Aboriginal issues, work that I subsequently participated in for many years. Today, like that time, Indigenous issues are front and center again, and not exactly for positive news. Unlike that time, however, the body of literature is broad and considerable today several schools, colleges, and universities offer curricula in Indigenous or otherwise related topics. Another area that has changed multiple times since my work and experience three decades ago is the terminology. At the time of my work in academia and the Royal Commission more than 30 years ago, various words were used interchangeably, both by Indigenous organizations and people and non. Indian was still frequently used, as was native, aboriginal, and the then newer variety, First Nations and First People. It's only in the past several years that the word indigenous has become the moniker of choice. Although today, anyone can still scan the listing of indigenous service organizations in Toronto alone and find the words native used in the titles or descriptions of many organizations. As was the case then. Propelling Indigenous issues to the center stage was something shocking or disheartening. Today, it is the growing number of mass and unmarked graves of Indigenous children on the sites of former Indian residential schools. Today, we also had a national commission dedicated to truth and reconciliation. And today, we even have a national holiday, which is approaching, in fact, dedicated to truth and reconciliation. So it was in this light that it occurred to me. The work we did more than 30 years ago was done well prior to the digital age. While some of it has been digitized and made available online, much is not and may never find life online. I have always said that we have to look behind occasionally to know where we are going in the future. So I took two important works of mine, one from academia and one from my work for the Royal Commission and assembled them into one publication, a new book that faithfully reproduces those documents and hopefully offers readers a bit of a time capsule to see what was happening then, what was different, and what hasn't changed, despite more programs, more books, more awareness, and different terminology. That book, available very soon through Amazon, is called Canada's Indian Act policy perspectives from the years defined by Meech Lake, Oka, and the Royal Commission, or simply Canada's Indian Act. Because, in spite of everything, the Indian Act, still so named, was and remains the center of everything. Visit stephenchristiansen.ca for information on how to get your copy, which will be priced at a level merely to cover the hard costs of printing, binding, etc., as well as for more episodes of Before, Behind, and Between. This podcast is available on all platforms and podcast streaming apps, including Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. I'm Stephen Christensen. Thanks for listening. Production of Steven Christensen. Podcast complete.